Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a good February so far. I am pleased to share with you this episode where I'm talking to Holly and Adam Hustler, who are a married couple. They are a yoga teacher. Adam's a yoga teacher. Holly is a yoga teacher and a sound healer or sound therapist. And I was on their podcast last year and I just love talking to them. I love the conversation that we had and I wanted to have them on this podcast as well. So we talk about actually a lot of different things and the, and the conversation meanders in some really interesting places but the main things we talk about are how yoga and sound healing work to reduce anxiety they share about their own tools the things that they use themselves to stay calm we get into this topic of managing comparison and adam shares a lot about how being in the yoga industry, it's very easy to compare yourself with everyone on, on Instagram and everyone sharing the amazing things that they're doing, you know, professionally. It can be really hard not to compare yourself. And so we get into a really interesting conversation about this and how actually when you peel below the surface of anyone that you meet, it doesn't matter how successful they appear, everyone is struggling with something, absolutely everyone. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation. We had a, a really interesting chat and yeah, lots of different avenues that we went down. And so if you haven't already, I'm inviting you to check out a new free resource that I've made. It's the High Functioning Anxiety Workbook that helps you to discover the number one thing that's holding you back in terms of your anxiety and the most important step that you can take in overcoming it. So to grab that, you can head over to my website, karma-u.com forward slash workbook and get that for free. So I hope you love that. Let's get into the interview with Holly and Adam Hustler. So welcome Holly and Adam. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you both today? Thank you for having us. Yeah good. We're, we're, good. we're caffeinated. We've had a productive morning. <laughs> we, start, we start each morning now with watching birds. We've got this crab apple tree in our garden full of crab apples obviously and there's like seven or eight different species some days yeah. including parakeets. parakeets they're bright green and the contrast of those against the red crab apples is just so beautiful we're such old people yeah now, so that's how we, we start our day we start our day with occasional fox watching if Lovely. Early enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh the foxes yeah it's been a nice slow morning nice and sunny here as well lovely lovely yeah where i live at the moment there's loads of birds loads of trees and bushes for the birds to live in and it makes such a difference just hearing them like wake up to sound a bird song and it's like such a lovely thing so I totally understand that yeah another another little thing that helps in the morning is we have wind chimes now Mm. like quite good wind chimes just outside our front door and just having that sound just occasionally there, just dingling. Nice. Such a treat. And just a contrast of being, you know, moving from, well, I was in Brixton once upon a time and it was just like a constant party 24-7 outside my window. So it's really nice to wake up to peace. <laughs> yes. Yes. I used to live on, on Broadway Market in East London. I don't know if you know it, but it's oh like a, gosh, it's a loud road where everyone is drinking 24-7 outside your, your room. So definitely yeah agree it's nice to be to be somewhere quiet you've got a a good mixer haven't you like hipsters (laughs) partiers 
and then kind of uh, quite a big homeless community around there as well so it's all ours isn't it <laughs> everyone welcome <laughs> yeah there was a lovely chap called sharky he used to sit outside our door selling ashtrays out, made out of beer cans he he was oh a lovely a lovely man but he was quite loud so that was the only, the only drawback of that <laughs> but, he's just being um, creative yes exactly exactly very creative <laughs> very creative um i'd love to start with just hearing a bit about you guys and what it is that you do and how do you get to to do the work that you do today i don't know if you want to start uh holly yeah. oh she picked me okay gosh i never know when to sort of how far back to go but um i think i'll start i guess um what i do at the minute is i'm a sound healer and i'm a musician and a little bit of yoga teaching as well which is sort of filtering out as i'm moving towards the sound and the music a little bit more um I'll go back to when I was in a girl band a few years ago. Um, gosh, this must have been 10 years ago now. I think it was early 20s, mid 20s. I just got back from traveling with the boyfriend at the time. And um, I was having a bit of a, oh God, what am I doing with my life? Because we were going to go off traveling again. And I just thought I need to knuckle down and do something. And um, I just thought, what do I love? What would be my absolute dream job? And I just remember so clearly I sat in my bedroom and I typed in, I just thought I would love to be in a girl band. So I just uh, typed in girl band auditions. And the first thing that came up was an advert for a girl band audition. It said up and coming girl band looking for the last member, preferably 19 to 24, preferably blonde, preferably about five foot five. And I was like, tick 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 and I just thought this and I wasn't really a believer in meant to be at the time I wasn't really into all of that kind of stuff but just something inside me said this is I'm gonna get this part and I thought god poor boyfriend because I'm gonna have to tell him that I can't go back to New Zealand next week um so long story short I went to the audition the following day and I got the part and um you know we got on so well me and the girls and it was just a really amazing three-year journey from then on um, so that's kind of, I mean, I've always been musical, but that was kind of when I made it into a bit of a career for myself, which was amazing. And it was such an incredible time of my life. But I guess looking back, it never felt completely aligned because although we had so much fun and I was singing and dancing, it was never really, we were very much a product. So we were told what to wear, told, you know, what lyrics to sing, how to dance. So I'll get on stage and shake my bum and do my thing <laughs> but I kind of felt like I guess I was putting on an act in a way like it wasn't really you know music from my soul but saying that you know we did some really cool things we supported Westlife at the O2 Arena and around um, the UK and Ireland um, Little Mix all sorts of stuff which was just amazing like such a great opportunity um, and after a while it just sort of naturally came to an end we realized you know we weren't going to get anywhere big in quotation marks even though I sort of felt like I'd, I'd got most things out of it I never really wanted the fame um, I just love being with the girls and, and doing this for a living so I tried to sort of make it on my own musically a little bit after that but again it just wasn't really clicking into place and I, I think at the time I was fully into partying i was living in london with um, some girlfriends living a hardcore party lifestyle you know being in the girl band it sort of um lends itself to that sort of lifestyle which gradually over time led to me feeling really pretty lost um and just directionless and kind of unsure of who i was and i think that that's just standard for your early 20s but you don't really know it at the time mm. um so the girl band came to an end. I broke up with a boyfriend. So I was heartbroken and completely broke at the same time. I remember being in Tesco's and looking at the, all the food and thinking, I don't actually know how I'm going to eat dinner tonight because I think I had £3.40 in my bank account or something like that. So I ended up having to move home with my parents, felt like such an absolute loser, turned my back on music, which really, really broke my heart. But I'd also been practicing yoga during this, this sort of the last year. And that had really, really helped me in a lot of ways. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and do a yoga teacher training. And that was a massive turning point for me because I, I really felt that that was my rock bottom during that time. And I was I just felt sort of yeah very anxious, very, um you know, waking up every morning, not in a good place, not wanting to get out of bed. And long story short, I won't go on for too much longer, but yoga, I guess. And I really think that yoga does this. It it bridges you back to the thing that you're supposed to be doing with your life. That's that's just my sort of opinion anyway. So it naturally led me back to music in the form of sound healing. So I'd been following this lovely woman on Instagram called Carly Grace. And actually, just going to be honest, I just love the look of the sound bowls. They were so beautiful, <laughs> like really pretty and rainbow colours. And I was so drawn to that. And I thought, 
oh, I've just got to get involved with this. So I ended up going to a sound journey at Triyoga Camden. And actually, funnily enough, I'm, I'm teaching there tonight, um, doing a sound journey, which is amazing. And not only did, you know, it provide the most deeply nourishing, beautiful experience with, you know, the vibrations <clears throat> of the sound bowls. But the next day, I just felt like, I remember we, I was in, um, we were in the flat in Highgate where we used to live in North London and the sun was coming through the window the next day. And I just felt so peaceful. Like, uh, I don't know, like something had just shifted and everything was okay. It's like, I was so deeply connected to this, this deep trust in knowing that I was in the right place, that I was, <clears throat> you know, being supported on my journey, that everything was going to be okay. And I sort of pieced the things together and I thought, wow, is that, is that the power of sound healings? I, you know, I've heard that it's powerful, but that's amazing. So I ended up investing in some bowls and I thought I have to bring this into my, you know, my, to my students and my practice. And, um, I ended up singing in Shavasana with the bowls at one point. I just had this voice saying, just sing. And I was like, no, I don't want to sing, but something told me it'd be really healing. So I started singing and I thought it sounded terrible, but people seem to enjoy it. And, um, that's when I realized how powerful, you know, voice and sound healing is. And so, yeah, long story short, I was led back to music, but in a really healing capacity in a way that feels so aligned and that I can actually really make a difference in the world. So I'm so, <clears throat> I'm so happy to be doing what I'm doing here today. And that's, that's where I am now. Yeah. How awesome that you had that experience. No, how, how yeah. awesome you had that experience of, of being in a girl band and having that, that whole experience and then could bring back your love of music in a way that was more nourishing to you and more kind of aligned with what you really wanted to do um yeah, yeah. and I do want to ask you more about sound healing I'm going to ask you that in a moment but um All right it was what are you saying Adam um can you share a bit about what you do then Adam because I know you're you're more on the yoga side or more fully focused on the yoga side of things and how, how did you get into yoga so it was in my boy band days no. <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I I was training to be a lawyer <laughs> so I was yeah at Durham University training to be a lawyer that was a career plan while I was there, I ended up thinking, and you know, I was reading a lot of like Paolo Coelho and Albert Camus and lots of stoicism at the time, like an impressionable 18 year old. And it was really changing my view on life. So although I ended up doing law at, at uni, I did a lot of kind of charity work, nonprofit work on the side while there, like managing a few charities that were university based, mainly involving young people. And I just really thought, you know, like even at that point, and it's kind of, I didn't realize it was yoga, but it kind of is, you know, thinking, you know, our, our, our quality of life, our happiness isn't judged by the size of our TV. Like if we think about buying a bigger and bigger TV or bigger and bigger house, then that is endless. That's this endless, wow, we can just keep going and keep going and keep going. And actually I thought at that time, I want to do something where every day I enjoy what I do. Mm even if that means making a little bit less money. And that was my thoughts as like an 18, 19 year old. So post uni thought actually my career is going to be working with young people in the charity sector. I enjoy it. I'm good at it, it seems. And, you know, taking my skills from law into that sector. And that's kind of what I did. And yoga was always there on the side alongside boxing and running and athletics. Uh, and I, I did a bit of yoga at uni, but the moment I really got into it was when I'd moved back to Birmingham I didn't have a lot of friends left in Birmingham. I kind of went to a private school. I got an assisted place, which was like very small fees, but in a private school. And in the area I was from, no one went to that private school. So I was going back to this part of Birmingham where I didn't really know anyone anymore. Everyone had gone or there was just never anyone there in the first place. Uh, I split up or was splitting up with an ex at the time. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like at that point, I hadn't got the job in this charity sector. I was kind of in, in between a little bit. And I started, I thought, what can I, what can I do? I'm boxing, but I want to do something where I can kind of be around nice people in a sense outside of work. So should I do a dance class or should I do more yoga? And I decided to do more yoga. And I used to use it as an opportunity just to kind of reevaluate where I wanted to be. So I'd get to the class half an hour early. I'd read my Hellenistic philosophies. That's what I was into still before class. I'd process. I wouldn't, I didn't necessarily meditate at that point, but I did reflect. And then I'd practice my yoga 
and then often walk home, like multiple hour walk home, just to kind of to allow myself to reset. Eventually started to do well in the charity sector, like managing my last proper job, as it were, was managing these two massive buildings, multi-million pound redevelopments, where we had kind of youth workers, sexual health workers, but also these centres were commercially viable in their own right. As in, we would rent the space to MTV, then we'd rent the space to conferences, etc. And like, it was, it was a good job. But I became a bit disenchanted with the charity sector. And at the time, while I had that job, I was actually at that point teaching yoga. I only started teaching, not because for career change, but just because I was like, I want to advance my knowledge. And then because I was kind of at the time, an unusual teacher in that I was a heterosexual male with no dance or hippie background. <laughs> I was kind of a, unusual in the yoga world at that point. So a few people kind of maybe gave me some teaching jobs for that reason because I attracted a certain client base. And then I realized I was okay at it. And at one point I had these, this kind of big job and I was teaching 10 classes a week <laughs> at the same time. So wow. yeah, it was, that, was, that was insane. That was insane. I didn't need the money at that point either, but I enjoyed it. And without going too deep into it, I quit the charity sector thinking maybe I just go into like hotel management. I thought that could be an interesting transfer of skills. And I even considered, you know, how would, how would one manage a theme park? You know, that could be, <laughs> I wanted to manage Alton Towers. I thought that could be how I use my skills. <laughs> Uh, but while I was deciding what theme park to manage, uh, I started to do kind of consultation work for some yoga studios in terms of their operations. That's kind of my speciality at that point. And just got more and more yoga teaching jobs. And then you know, soon enough, I was teaching 26 classes of the week and helping manage a studio and doing some consultation. And it just went from there to there. So now, you know, I've teach, I've taught everywhere. I've taught, I think I worked out in 20, over, over 20 countries, over 60 studios, to online for many years, also conferences, workshops, trainings all over the world. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the plan, but that's what I've ended up ended up doing. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah, interesting how you didn't sort of decide, right, I'm going to be a yoga teacher and kind of build it from there. It was kind of like a sideways moving into it and it kind of just grew from grew from there. And I do think that's really, really important for anyone deciding to do a career change you really need to understand if you if you like doing that thing to begin with uh, it's to try and work it out and just because you let's say like teaching yoga or like observing cool graphic design doesn't mean you would like the process of being a graphic designer or the process of teaching yoga they're very 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 different things so i always try and get to be quite wary if they want to make a career jump into a complete unknown because they might not like that thing the the, the work of doing it rather than just the enjoyment of doing it for enjoyment's sake that's such a good point. I think there's so many people now wanting to change careers. I think it's called the great resignation where <laughs> four people like wanting to leave. And so there are probably quite a few people who are thinking, oh, maybe I would like want to be a yoga teacher. I want to do this. But yeah, I think you're right. The actual bit, teaching yoga is a different thing to doing yoga. It's like a totally different yeah. thing. Yeah. A whole different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So most people listening to this will be struggling with some kind of anxiety or at the very least stressed I think everyone I mean is everyone stressed I think probably everyone is, is stressed yeah. in the world um in in the west at least and I was really curious to hear from you both firstly like how do you manage your own stress or indeed any anxiety that you might experience and how does sound healing and yoga kind of support people with that for me there's no like magical um you know silver bullet uh or just you know, for me it's been a long process um like i was saying back in the day you know my 20s um feeling a little bit lost and anxious it's really hard to see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel when you're in that place um but from that place is when i discovered meditation yoga and you know down the line sound healing and it was my want to get myself out of that place that um, that made me do it. So it, it's for me, it was very much baby steps. It was starting really small every day. You know, I discovered uh, Tony Robbins, who's an amazing like American coach. And um, I remember I used to walk to the woods every morning and just say this affirmation in my head every day in every way I'm getting stronger and stronger. And just, you know, just that really, really helped me at the time. And then I'd go and be in nature and I'd do, you know, five, 10 minute meditations every day. Over time, I found that to really, really calm me. And because I found that it 
it stopped me from looking outside of myself. And I think often that's where the anxiety and the stress comes from. It's because most of us are looking outside, you know, wanting um, to people please and worrying about getting judged by other people. And I think that's so much of the root of what anxiety and stress is, or, or at least mine anyway. Um, you know, speaking from experience in the past, that's definitely where it's come from. So, you know, these practices that ask us to go inside, connect us back to ourselves and the knowledge that actually, you know, we are enough in every moment and that peace is not an outside game. It's all there inside. Happiness is inside you. So just by consciously breathing, and it's really that simple, I think, just carving out time every day, which I still do to this day, every single day. I'm Well, that's a lie. Probably five or six days a week I meditate. I definitely am really devoted to this path of like um, of healing. So small baby steps and, and doing those practices that ask me to go inside and, you know, remember myself essentially and that everything's okay is um, is what has been, you know, the thing that saved me, I guess, and has put me on this path. So yeah, I mean, yeah, meditation, yoga, sound healing, it's maybe it's a boring answer, but <laughs> that is what's worked for me. No, not at all. And I, I like that idea of baby steps, because I think it's, I think often we do get into these things because we're, we're struggling and we're searching for some, some way to help ourselves, like we're anxious, depressed, or, you know, just, yeah, in emotional pain of some kind. And when you first delve in, it can seem quite overwhelming, because there's so many options of things you could try, or, so many different courses that you could do but uh, yeah I like the idea of just doing little bits here and there and mm. yeah doing it and yeah. doing baby steps that makes a lot of sense yeah just finding mm. the thing that works for you I think mm. because like you said there is so much out there so just trying a few things and sticking with something that really works mm. so can I ask you about sound healing because yeah is it is it what I understand of it is it's not just about the nice sounds it is it's doing something it's vibrations is that right can you sort of explain yeah explain how that works in in a nutshell I always explain it is it's science-based because it works with energy frequency vibration to essentially shift us and our cells back into balance and harmony again um because you know we are made up of hundreds of thousands of vibrating cells we are in vibration um so it's the use of vibration to shift us back to our natural state which is balance and harmony so our body is always trying to come back to that state but um you know things like well life pulls us um off balance out of tune so because i'm not great at explaining science i'm not naturally uh scientifically gifted let's just say so i love to think of um or use analogies to help me and other people to understand so something that's really helped me is if you think about the orchestra <clears throat> and uh the orchestra has got all the different components the um the strings the bass the drums the guitar the vocals etc and you know, an orchestra would never sit down and just start playing their instruments because it would sound horrific. They take their time to sit and make sure they're tuning themselves and tuning their instruments before they start playing their amazing piece of music so that they can perform, you know, optimally and, and produce a beautiful, harmonious piece of music for the audience most of the time. Um, so then, you know, if you think of the human body as an orchestra, so you've got, you know, all of the systems, the blood, the the organs, even the thoughts and the emotions, which is everything is just energy. But we don't really do much to basically tune ourselves. So it results in, you know, all of these different frequencies from left, right and centre just in chaos a lot of the time. This can be things from, you know, repetitive, anxious thoughts that we're not managing because, you know, we're not really taught how to manage our emotions a lot of the time. Um, even, you know, sitting on the northern line and the absolute invasion of that horrible sound from the tube, even that is is, is creating chaos and disharmony in our body. And it's it's all of these things are adding up to, to essentially knock us off tune so that we feel anxious, stressed, um, out of balance, basically. So we need, we really need tools like sound healing uh, to pull us back into, to shift us back to our natural state of being. And, you know, for me, it's, you can hear all of that and be like, mm, okay, but come along and experience it. I felt it for myself. You know, that's exactly what I felt the day after. And um, I, yeah, I say it's science-based, but it's also definitely mixed with a bit of magic and the unknown as well. And I can't, you know, I can't explain that bit. But I've had all sorts of people message me, like someone messaged me the other day saying she'd access this um, memory from her childhood that's really helped her to overcome something that she has felt so blocked around for so many years. Yeah, and it was wow. a message of gratitude because, um, 
you know, it's a form of meditation. So it pulls you out of your head, out of your thinking mind, and it helps you to drop into deeper states of awareness. Like, uh, oh God, always forget the name of the, the waves, but I think it's the delta and the theta brainwave state. So the, the vibrations coming out of the bowls will, it's called a harmonic resonance or entrainment. It'll entrain the brainwaves uh, into these theta, delta, deep states of meditation, sometimes sleep, which is where the body can repair itself the most, um, which is where you can access, you know, creativity, clarity, peace, deep peace, um, connection with your intuition if you're into that. And, you know, we can't access a lot of that in, when we're stuck in our heads and we're anxious and we're worried all the time. So it's, I guess it's a journey back to yourself and back to all of the answers that you'll ever need, which are all inside you. Um, and I always love to set an intention before, you know, um, Another woman recently said I wanted to uh, find the answer for a book that I'm trying to write. So I want to I want a title for it. And it dropped in, you know, when she was in that state, that's when it came to her. So setting in a, a conscious intention um, is really beautiful way to help you as well. Um, you'll always receive what you need and it's not always going to be comfortable, you know, because healing is not always comfortable. Um, sometimes it can bring stuff up to the surface that needs to be looked at and acknowledged. Um, maybe something that you haven't thought about for a while. But if you find the right teacher, someone that really holds you safely in the space, then it's such a beautiful healing journey. And, you know, nine times out of 10, you're just going to come away feeling so relaxed and peaceful and harmonious. Um, but there's also going to be that little soul nudge every now and again going, here you go. This is something, a little shadow part of you that you need to look at and acknowledge. And this could be the key to answering why you're anxious all the time. So, um yeah, I mean, I could I could talk for hours, but I should let Adam have a go now. But that's pretty much it in, yeah. a, in a long nutshell, a big nutshell. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. It's the same as in, in hypnotherapy. We get into a different brainwave pattern, delta and theta, and it's very healing. And you can access different parts of yourself and memories. And yeah, how amazing mm. that, that sound healing can help people to have those insights and that deep rest that they need. And yeah, it sounds beautiful as well. I've heard I haven't been to one of your groups yet. Oh, I've heard you on Instagram. Come. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely have a look at when you're doing them, but try and come. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. Adam, what about you? I'm curious in terms of your own experience with stress or indeed anxiety and also about how kind of yoga kind of comes into that. There used to be that term that people used to say a lot, keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, the idea being that you would compare your life to that of your next door neighbour. And we've all got that on steroids now, haven't we? Like we're, mm -hmm. We've got social media. We're like comparing our lives, of course, to everyone else's. And that becomes hard for everyone anyway, because, of course, you were like, okay, your friend or someone you don't know is that thing you want. But I think it becomes even harder when you're self-employed and part of your business is, you know, on social media or like. So for us as yoga teachers, I'm sure for you as well, for, you know, for anyone that is remotely self-employed, you're constantly thinking, okay, that person's doing that. Should I be doing that? Or they seem to be doing well. Oh my God, they're traveling so much. And even though we know, of course, social media is the highlight reel. Uh, although some people are doing the extreme now of filming themselves crying on social media. But, but generally speaking, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm just, wait till you've stopped crying and then film yourself. But that's all of the thing. But generally speaking, we, we keep up, you know, we, we're trying to you know, stay with other people. And, and that is stressful for everyone, as I say, particularly the self-employed. And it is for me, you know, despite the fact I know that I'm seeing people's highlight reels, I'm still always feeling bad about what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. And so how do I tackle that? So number one, of course, is having a healthier relationship with external stimuli uh, like social media. Mm -hmm. And also actually becoming less dependent on what people think of you to some degree. So of course, there are things that can make us internally happy, or we can get happy from internal sources, or we can get happy from external sources. We can get happy from someone saying, Adam, you look good, or you look great, or liking our photo. Or we can find that intrinsic happiness from doing the things that genuinely make us happy. And so over the years, that's what I try to shift to. Trying to do the things that are about me being happy and content without thinking so much about what other people think of me or whether I'm getting happy from the fact that I've got a workshop or I've got a special event or people are coming to my class or not. Uh, and yoga does help with that. In yoga, there is no objective success. When in theory, there's no success at all. Of course, if you go to some dynamic classes and 
you know, there will be like 22 year olds competing for handstands and dramatic poses. And I was probably one of them when I was 18. Uh, but in theory, there is no success to be had in yoga. It's 60 minutes of your day or 75 minutes or whatever, where you are just having a practice of self-inquiry using your body as a vehicle for that self-inquiry. And if you want to connect with something deeper than yourself, the universe or whatever you want to phrase it, the most intimate part of the universe we have access to is our bodies. So I really believe in the value of, whether it be yoga or just movement in general, movement where we get into a zone, movement where we can forget about everything else and really focus on the moment. I think that does wonderful things for your general well-being. And that would be my biggest advice to anyone is try and to some degree switch off any kind of external need for validation. Try and see things for what they are, not what they appear to be. For instance, social media posts. And actually take time, some time a day for you to have a practice of some kind of self-inquiry, whatever that is, where ideally there is no success. And that can be hard because, as I said, some people try and succeed in yoga. But even if your self-inquiry is walking around taking photos, people often think, okay, well, I need to get a social media account for my photos and I need to have a little gallery for my photos. When can I do an exhibition? Or people going for a jog. And they're walking, oh, no, I need to do a half marathon. When can I do a marathon? Who should I Who should I get to sponsor me for this marathon? Et cetera, et cetera. But trying to cut that out and just do things solely because you like doing them, I think is really important. And yoga, mm -hmm. but yoga is one that can really help you bring it in. This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by my online course, Your Calmest Self. It's a course that gives you the tools to manage your anxiety without having to quit your life, move to an island and meditate for 10 hours a day. So this course is for you if you're somebody that constantly worries about what other people think of you. You hold yourself back from setting big goals because you're anxious and overwhelmed and unable to move forward with things. It's for you if you flop into bed every night exhausted by another anxious day, wishing you could just switch off and relax. It's for you if you don't speak up about things because you're nervous about getting it wrong or what people will say, whether they'll judge you. And it's for you if you've got a loud inner critic that puts you down all the time and stops you from doing the things that you want to do in your life. If this sounds like you, I'm here to help you change that. In this online course for anxiety, your karma self, I teach you the tools and techniques to become a calmer and more confident version of yourself. I use powerful hypnotherapy recordings and exercises from cognitive behavioral therapy, NLP, positive psychology, and more. If you'd like to live an anxiety-free life of confidence and calmness, come and take a look at my course at karma hyphen you.com forward slash program so it's karma you.com forward slash program love that idea of, of thinking about yoga as self-inquiry because it made me think about when I was living in London and going to yoga classes really regularly and how much stuff would come up in a yoga class I'd be like comparing myself to the person next to me or just thinking like oh how do I you know look today or um like resisting the discomfort of a pose and like all the things that I might struggle with in my everyday life were like contained within that, like coming up mm. in the yoga class. So yeah, maybe, yeah, it reminded me of that. You're saying how it can be about self-inquiry and can we use that practice to then work through some of those things that are coming up for us? And, and, and part of that is, or, or something I think is against that is a lot of people think yoga is about being happy. And I really don't think it is that. I think it's about seeing things for as they are. And so in a yoga practice, ideally, you're not looking for sadness. You're not looking to dig into your childhood trauma and go there. But equally, you're not looking to be happy at every stage. It should just be a case of bearing witness with increasingly less reactivity. So bearing witness to the contents of your mind with less and less reactivity to that and just seeing things for as, as they are. Yeah. So yoga isn't a stretching class and it isn't 60 minutes of joy. It's definitely not your class anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah and thank you as well for saying that that bit about kind of when you're self-employed or I imagine you know if you work in a certain profession I know you work in marketing and you might be looking at other people that work in marketing who are mm. you know doing really well and it's really easy to compare yourself and it's interesting I think with yoga probably like influencers or fashion or coaches their business or our business in a way is kind of built on kind of selling a certain like 
you're going to feel like this when you do yoga or when you work with this coach you're gonna you're gonna achieve this and so it, it kind of lends itself to just I don't want to say like showing off but like just showing the good sides of everything and it's mm. just as you say it's like that highlight reel isn't it of you know we don't know what's going behind the, the curtains of someone's life um this is why um this is why we started our podcast because we wanted to 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 show that people are messed up not always drinking the green juice and happy as anything one tactic that's really worked for me over the years uh, is trying to imagine losing the things i have so losing the things i have to some degree makes you then appreciate what you have a little bit more well actually multiple things lose imagining losing what you have makes you appreciate actually having it a little bit more Um... and through appreciating having it and imagining losing it you then make the most of it even more and you're less inclined to think about things you want and we always do this together you know we we can't we love this cottage that we've been in here a year now but we're constantly saying to ourselves as a part of the practice isn't our cottage lovely isn't it amazing don't we love it and we you know reflect back and say you know if we were even six years ago someone said to us you know we'd be living in a lovely cottage married in the countryside watching birds in the morning you'd be like no way that's not going to happen but I think it's very easy to go on this kind of hedonic treadmill and you adapt, don't you? You just keep adjusting the goalposts of what makes you happy. And Always you wanting the, more. Yeah, you get the thing you mm-hmm. want, then you adjust yeah, just the goalposts. But I think it's so important to practice coming the other back, way, coming yeah. back and appreciating what you have. Do, do you have any kind of practice around that? Because I know some people do like, sounds very morbid, like a death meditation, for example, where they imagine, mm. you know, being buried in the ground or imagine something do you have any kind of process for that or it's more just you sort of check in with and reflect on reflect on that well, i think too i think i've done it two ways previously i've done it by journaling just so i'm not journaling but like almost writing i've done journal but like writing bullet points that's my form of journaling but equally almost as part of a meditation mm-hmm. so just even, you know, even doing it with people like imagining losing a family member you know, you, you visualize that and by imagining losing that family member you then think, okay, well, how can I appreciate them more in my daily life while I still have them? But it's also actually, in a sense, good preparation for if that thing does happen, <laughs> in, a, in a sense. You've rehearsed it. And so through exploring all the possibilities of what could happen in the future, although that can be overwhelming in itself, you are fully prepared for everything that can happen to you and you can respond to that with equanimity and with balance i could not do that i'm like the opposite of that adam, adam he's he's got this i don't know if it's a superpower or a hindrance but ev- with every situation you will think about every single outcome that could possibly happen so like he says so he'd be prepared for all of it is that quite stoic i think to some degree yeah. and for me i am just totally thinking like the best thing's going to happen at every given moment and if the opposite happens i'm like oh my god <laughs> you know what i am a big fan of feeling and i'm not saying that you you know push feelings away but i actually i quite like surprises and you know life bringing whether it's a good surprise or not and i think again yoga is really and sound healing has really helped with the way you react to certain situations and you know if something awful happened to me five years ago i would have just let the sadness and the grief just completely swallowed me whole and just lost myself in this you know whirlwind of depression or whatever but you know now i think when in quotation marks bad things happen i it sounds really cheesy but i always think of these things as as okay well how has this come along to help me grow then because mm-hmm. i know that it was meant for me and whatever reason that's my belief i always think that things happen to and this is the way i like to see it just to help to help us grow in that moment and what can i learn from this how can i move forward with this how can i help other people as well because you know if, if awful things have happened then i can be more empathetic towards other people who are also experiencing very similar things and it's all sort of paving the way to lead me to what i'm here on on earth to do and that's mm. just that's my belief so i'm a big fan of feeling and we had a lot happen to us last year like a lot of grief and although it was really really difficult my relationship to grief and sadness has completely changed and i just let myself feel it all and you know like cry on the bathroom floor and almost hover above myself and witness myself doing it and being like it's okay you're like you're totally allowed to feel all these feelings it's all beautiful it's all part of mm. what makes you human and um, you should never be pushing any of this stuff away it's just a shame that we're not taught um emotional intelligence and awareness at school because i think the world would be a much better place for it and again you know all of these these practices have helped so much with all of this um 
and also having a having a very lovely strong mm. partner by your side really helps as well um but yeah so we're, we're kind of different it's in that different, sense but, but I, I and i think this is what we need to encourage people to realize that there's different ways that can be equally valid mm, like yeah. really mm-hmm. feeling can be valid but equally you know holly just referenced then strong partner so what does that mean it means okay strong stable and consistent so in this dynamic there is one of us that isn't following feelings necessarily that's not a good or bad thing but through that we complement each other mm-hmm. i can hold the space for then holly to feel because it could be different if you are alone in that situation i'm not against feeling at all my view is that uh, you know feelings will come but then for me i have a choice of whether i hold on to it and indulge it and continue to choose to feel it mm. or whether i let a feeling come and let it go just as easily just like mm. you know at a party there's ticker tape for a moment that ticker <laughs> tape falls into your view okay then it falls back What's out ticker tape Ticker tape, like, a, is that not is you that a Birmingham phrase? <laughs> At a party, I do recognise the name, but I can't ma- imagine what it is. <laughs> well, okay, like, if you were at a big party and and all the performance, or someone's just won the X Factor, and all that stuff falls down oh, from like the, the ceiling. Shiny, shiny oh. tapes. What's it called? What's it called? Know, just shiny confetti. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's confetti. Anyway, <laughs> it comes and it goes just as easily. And that's uh-huh. my view is feelings. I like to let them come into view yeah. for that split, you know, for a moment. Nice. Observe them, observe their nature and let them go. Not dig around the floor for the ones I want to feel at that time. I just want to let them come in and go just as easily. Yeah. And my view is that real balance and real equanimity and contentment comes from not being too attached to your feelings and if you decide you want always want to be happy and that's your aim in life to be happy always being happy depends on you feeling a certain way it depends on circum- certain circumstances that aren't entirely in your control i think real real freedom comes from being able to witness emotions come and go mm. without needing to be feeling or experiencing one yeah i agree with that mm. Mm. It's, in, it's interesting isn't it because I think probably me and my partner are a bit the same he I don't think he suppresses his feelings but like he deals with it and then it's gone whereas I'm much more like more like to like cry on the bathroom floor and like yeah. <laughs> like a, have, a, have a meltdown um, but I don't know I guess is it different ways of experiencing things or maybe that yeah I don't know I guess you've got to find what works for you and I always wonder how much of these things could be evolutionary like how many of them could be just inherently male traits or female mm. traits? Yeah. Uh, there were so many in, in, interesting behavioural yeah. theories. That's why often males are comedians because that was part of a, when the development of language, you know, someone who could entertain, as it were, was more likely to, so it's like a peacock what showing his feathers, would more, yeah, yeah, more likely to be attractive in a certain way and, uh, and had to develop those skills. Mm. Uh, so I always wonder like how much is genetic or just mm. in us as males or females or there a, yeah there's a really lovely book as well that we but you told me to read it it's um the one about boy how not to be a boy by a comedian called he's in peep show can't remember his name but it's it's um everyone should read it it's just amazing it's about how um men have been brought up to suppress or a lot of men have been brought up to suppress their emotions and not talk about them so even though maybe we think it's a male trait to maybe not talk about your emotions so much it, maybe it's just because they've been suppressed but it's it's such a great book and uh yeah you know which one i mean yeah 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 full stop yeah <laughs> it's the nature nurture debate isn't it because i know mm. i've had people on the podcast that have told me no men and women's brains are pretty much the same and all the differences are cultural and then there's other books that are written about like the female brain and how it's so different to men. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the but then what both, the truth is. We've got both um, masculine and feminine energies inside, haven't you? And there's a left side of the brain and the right side of the brain in everyone, which is linked to masculine and feminine. So I think no, I think we've chosen to label it masculine and fe- feminine increasingly. But mm. I think from like a pure evolutionary perspective, there is, I believe, differences from what I understand. Like I, I feel like I've read multiple books that have explicitly said there are physical differences in the size of certain areas, mm. etc. And yeah, we have mm. to look at the animal world and you know, see animals of different species inherently behave in certain ways. You know, like a, 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 a animals that are born will immediately run to water. They just know there's water, I need to go to that. They're not told to go to water. They just know inherently in them they need to run to I don't know, the nearest source of water or they need to go to their mother's breast or alike. I think there are things in us that we can't really understand fully what is part of us. But you know, male and female animals 
of the same species do very different things mm, and yeah. act in very different ways. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, I remember, I remember one study, I, 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 I talked about this in my book, The Confidence Solution, about how baby boys are very, I don't want to say, I don't know what the right word would be, I can't remember what the word they use in the, in the study, but they they kind of need a lot of attention, more more attention and kind of reassurance than baby girls need. And that changes once they get to, um, I think it's like a year and a half, whereby the girls suddenly are the ones that need more kind of, I don't know what the, what the word is, like molly coddling or looking after more attention. Cool. And there's something that happens whereby perhaps we treat baby boys differently. We think, oh, you know, he's a boy, he, he'll be all right. You know, and actually they learn then that they not to not to ask for help or seek comfort in that way. And so I think there's so many things that are very unconscious that we're doing to infants and to children to, to so that we're getting brought up in very different ways that can, can lead us to have some of these traits. So there's that aspect of it as well. And a question could be as well, like how certain things perhaps were initially evolutionary, how maybe we've then enforced them or made them even stronger through society. For instance, there's a lot of theory that generally speaking, boys are more interested in things <laughs> and gotcha. females are more interested in people. Hence, um, well, not hence, but you know, generally young girls will tend to play with figures, dolls, dolls, yeah. figures, nothing but Barbie, and like things that are people, babies. Whereas boys would tend to go for the trucks and the things and the tools and the hammers. Okay, that's a sweeping generalization, of course. And I'm sure a lot of it has been enforced by we know what we think boys like, so we buy them that toy or we give them that toy, etc. That's certainly a factor to it. But that would explain, you know, if we look back on evolutionary history, that would explain a lot that you know, men are interested in the things. The women would be, you know, in the hunter-gathering days, more together as a unit. Nurturing. Yeah, mm. there could be something in that big conversation yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I was wondering you know you got your podcast honestly unbalanced and um I was wondering what what have you learned through that experience you, you mentioned there about it being that you're getting people to to be honest and to share the other side of their lives that maybe they don't share online I was curious you know what have you learned from that experience that everyone has issues <laughs> that's imposter syndrome oh, yeah. is real imposter syndrome is real in everyone I've, so many of our guests have, have said that they feel that which is um comforting and um that success is not a straight line from a to b that there's so many ups and downs and you know perceived failures along the way and um i guess just that anything is possible as well we've, we've spoken to such amazing people and um, it's so nice as well because this is um, kind of what you were saying earlier. It's not really something that we have an end goal with or even really a goal with. We we really just do it because we we love chatting to just amazing people. And, and so it's just naturally growing from there. And um, yeah, we always come away feeling so buzzing, don't we? What about you? What do you think? Well, what we've learned, I think one of the things, all the people we've spoken to, again, have their issues, of course, but all of them are successful in their own field. Whatever that might be, they are deemed to be successful in their own field. But, you know, that's success. there is no end to that success. And they're successful and now they're okay. I think the, the podcast idea was based on Jack Cornfield's book, After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. So he would chat to people of various spiritual and religious traditions people that to some degree would say they'd reach enlightenment and the acknowledgement that that enlightenment is less of a you're enlightened and now you're enlightened forever, but it's a moment. And hence, after the ecstasy, the laundry, you have a moment where you feel enlightened and you go back to life, you go back to the worries, you go back to the jealousy, etc. And I think that's important to acknowledge with all these people that we deem to be successful, that number one, they've probably put in a hell of a lot of hard work to get where they are. None of them were overnight successes. None of them just magically decided to do what they do and in a year were succeeding in it mm -hmm. on top of their field. Mm -hmm. you know, the yoga teacher didn't go to Bali for three weeks and come back and like, okay, now I'm an international yoga teacher. <laughs> uh, all of them put in a hell of a lot of work to get where they are. But there was also a lot of stress, a lot of luck on the way, just a lot of circumstance and like having certain people around them. And then once they found what would be considered objective success, that didn't necessarily change what was happening internally. There's, there's still the same worries, the same thing. Again, mm. come back to ha that hedonic adaptation. You know, you hear it all the time from celebrities how perhaps you know, unhappy they are. 
and actually clearly you know, money of course can buy to some degree some freedom to do perhaps some of the things you enjoy more but in itself doesn't necessarily bring you happiness it maybe brings you more people emailing you more people yeah success to compare, to compare yeah. yourself to so i guess that's one of the biggest learnings and it was interesting you know to see how people have coped with that and can and, you know continue to cope with that or continue to struggle with that mm. yeah i think that's what i noticed being a therapist having all sorts of clients including some really successful kind of millionaire business owners or models and as a therapist obviously you're hearing you know all their struggles all the things that you know it's so easy to assume someone's successful and I don't know if it's our brains trying to just make things easier to sort of just label oh that person doesn't have any problems like we don't we don't um Mm. what does the brain do it like it tries to save energy all the time the brain so it like generalizes things or sees things in black and white a lot of these things are because things are too complicated to kind of think about all the nuances so we just think oh that person's you know a successful model they must have it all figured out they don't struggle with anything they, they're happy they must be happy all the time and actually you see that other side of how how much people do struggle with things and so yeah I think it's a good good thing to talk about on the, the podcast to remind remind everything everyone that we're all we're all struggling with something everyone's got something going on and yeah. it's never it's never simple it's not people aren't aren't happy all the time generally I don't think yeah. And often the solution is not an external solution. It's uh, <laughs> doing work, doing some kind of work on yourself or with the people immediately around you. Like there's a quote I love that the guy called Naval Ramakat, who is a, he's an angel investor uh, and just just a wonderful thinker and modern philosopher. And this quote is that if you can't be happy with a cup of coffee, you won't be happy with a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And I, I just, I just mm. love that. And I think that's, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, the key to actually finding contentment and freedom in your life is to some degree reducing the things you need to make you happy. And I, one exercise I love to get people to do if this is circumstances right, you kind of make a list of 10 things that you would like to do more of and then put them in the order of how much they cost. And often... <laughs> The top five are probably free. Yeah. Like, you know, for me, it's often I'd like to go on more walks. Mm. I'd like to read a little bit more. You know, I'd like to to do some painting. Most of the things are free. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I hope people can can go and do that. So you write a list of t- 10 things you like to do more and, yeah, how much do they cost? And then and then ask yourself, you know, why aren't I doing this more? How can I incorporate mm. this more into my life? Mm. I love that. And actually, the way money fits in often is the only way it fits in is if you have to work 24 hours a day to make money to survive, then of course you can't do those things. Mm. But as long as you have enough money to have some time to do those enjoyable activities, uh, then then you want then you want to win winner. But that is that is the money factor: is you need a certain amount to be able to give yourself the time to do the free activities. Yeah, I think that yeah. lockdown actually was so valuable in in making people realise that they don't need much to be happy well most people I mean so many people I spoke to said oh god I've just realized that I actually don't need a lot to to enjoy life and just you know simple things make me happy so that's the silver lining in in the lockdown anyway definitely mm. I was one of those people just less is more so much of the time mm. hard yeah it's hard, it's hard to compare the lockdown situation isn't it because we, we say less is more but, equally... but I suppose it makes you like when you're back out a bit then it makes you it puts a different perspective on your life in a way doesn't it it's oh like, no oh, completely so now, I think really, yeah I me... think it's certainly put for some people I think other people have maybe realized actually they need other people around them or they need certain things uh, everyone's had such a different yeah. different lockdown haven't they we we don't need a lot but at the same time we did get a cottage <laughs> which is quite a lot <laughs> but within the cottage just, I'm, I'm just happy chilling and watching a netflix film with you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's that thing isn't it like i often think about this idea of like am i gonna wake up when i'm 80 and think i work too much why did i work five days a week why did i not take mm-hmm. every single wednesday off and go and walk in the park or spend more time with my family yeah. and i'm lucky that i do have a lot of flexibility in my work and I can take days off but I think there's so many of us who some people do have the choice some people don't but I think a lot of us are in that mindset of I need to work more to make more money to to buy more to be on that kind of treadmill mm-hmm. and I think I know I don't know I think we would be happy if we could un. I think they're thinking about putting it down to a four-day week aren't they the government to like yeah. help with climate change or something I think that will probably That's be quite a good, a good thing idea. for the world yeah, yeah. 
I think so. I think the, the relationship with money, I think, is a really important factor for people. Is a lot of the people that I find work the hardest, spend the most. Not necessarily in terms of the quantity, but spend the money they have. Mm. And I read something the other day, and I don't entirely agree with it, but there was something to it. And it was like, if you give a poor person, but if you give a poor person £100, they'll buy, or no, if you give a poor person £1,000, they'll buy an iPhone. If you give a rich person £1,000, they invest it. Mm. Uh, caveats to that, of course. That is assuming, I guess, a poor person has all their needs covered in terms of rent and <laughs> and alike and food, etc. But it's it's an interesting thing. I think a lot of us earn money, work hard to spend it. And I think one thing we can do, and I do this a lot. We actually did it last night about getting a taxi. At the moment, you know, the yoga industry isn't that lucrative, <laughs> particularly people who are struggling to come back to classes. And I was like, okay, so I put things in perspective of how much I'd need to work to get that. So if I get a taxi home last night, for instance, how much would that actually cost in terms of hours worked? And I think that's a really useful activity for people in terms of building their relationship with money and time is how much is buying this iPhone in terms of hours? If buying an, a new iPhone is literally a month work, is it, mm. is it, is it really what you need? Because you think working that month working as hard as you do that month, the hours that you do, the stress that you do, the getting on the tube, the travel of has hassling, the, all the stress involved with that work, all of that for an iPhone and for that temporary satisfaction. So I think it's an interesting way to reframe our relationship with money and time. Yeah, yeah, time is time is money, money is time. So can we, yeah, I guess you can always get more money, but you can't get your time back as well. Mm. Oh, can I quote? Oh, I feel like such an arsehole quoting. I think it was, was it Epicurious or Seneca? I think it was Seneca, <laughs> and it was we act, we act like immortals in all we desire, but mortals in all we fear. I might have misquoted it, but the idea being that in the things that we want, we act like we're going to tr- live forever, and we have all the time in the world. Mm. And yeah, the things that scare us, you know, we you know we, we hedge up. Maybe we come back afterwards, though. Well, I hope so. I hope so. so. (laughs) I'm going to need a few goes at this. Um, A few more goes. (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you, this is probably the last question, but I kind of wanted to ask you about how, because it seems like you work together in certain aspects. So you do the podcast together. Do you do other things together? Like maybe you do events together, I think. But I'm I'm wondering like how how you find it working together I do, I've done bits of work with my partner, but I find it quite challenging, I have to say. We trigger each other a lot in that area. So, yeah, I wanted to hear about, about how you work together and how do, you, how do you keep a kind of healthy relationship you know, through that. Can I just say one thing about the, found, the foundation of relationships with us? We've always talked about this idea that we are, we are choosing to be in this together. How one of us is emotionally will have a direct effect on how the other one is. Of course, we're kind of intrinsically linked for life now in terms of how we are. And that affects how we interact together. And we don't really row. We don't really have arguments. And if we do have a disagreement, we're very quick to either apologize or rectify it. Because me making Holly upset or me holding a grudge against Holly or me being resentful or trying to sulk to make her pay for something, (laughs) it's me drinking a cup of poison myself as well not only is it making her unhappy this person i say i love but it's going to ultimately make me unhappy and make my life unhappy so i think that is a foundation for the relationship and really informed a foundation for working together uh so that isn't i guess not to say we don't get a little bit annoyed yeah. with each other every now and again but it's, it's, it's kind of nip, nip. in a loving way but then it's kind of it's, it it can be nipped in the bud quite yeah. quickly so yeah. yes you have the podcast together uh, yes, we do you know, some retreats together and, and workshops, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's acknowledging as a couple what your skills are, right? what are you good at. Holly's good with people. So if we're on a retreat, Holly, like, Holly talks to everyone, oh, lengths with people. Holly will put a cross at the end of an email. I will be as sure as possible. I don't even know it's a cross. cross. <laughs> <laughs> <Is that> it all? <laughs> no, it's sick. Yeah, Holly will give them some blessing at the end. Uh, yeah, but I think that really... In, just knowing what you're both good at and just like 
going with that, I think, is really important. Yeah, because we we're very we're very different, um, you know, very yin and yang. But I think we said recently we're we're different, but similar in the ways that matter. As in, you know, our values are aligned, and we hmm. both want similar things from life, and we both love and trust each other. And I think if you've got your values in place and you have all those, you know, foundational bricks like trust, respect, kindness, then I think you can kind of you know, even if you're getting triggered and you argue a little bit within that, which of course we do, you can, at least you've got that as the foundation and you can work, you yeah. can work around that. And um, yeah. And you, oh, you only mentioned differences there. I think most of us are attracted to our partners because there were some differences yeah, that yeah, we find in some way endearing. But there's normally, let's, let's take a quality like uh, Holly is quite ready to explore the world at any moment and quite kind of, <laughs> it would jump into things. I love that about her, but that quality also manifests in the opposite way in that Holly can be really like just not on it in terms of like organization and 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 you have to accept that. I think it's really important to accept the fact that when, you know, for me, Holly loves the fact I'm really organized and on it and diary management. I want to do things, Mm. but that means I really hate changing schedules Mm. and I really don't like things that aren't planned. So you have to always accept that for something you find endearing about someone, that quality has an opposite as well and you have to accept both but, of those yeah flip it around the other way as well yeah, like if, it's, right, if there's something annoying it, yeah. about someone there's the other end of the spectrum which yeah. is really which balances out and it's and yeah it's just it's just learning to to love all of the flaws and the imperfections and and, and yeah i think mm, yeah i like that idea of there being kind of like a flip side to things like i noticed that about aiden i might think oh he's you know, he's got this very creative side and he's got this like mindset, like anything's possible, but that can be quite annoying because it can like take him off on weird tangents. And like, I'm like, what's sticking to the plan? I'm sticking to the plan. But if I try and suppress that side of him, I'm also going to suppress that beautiful creative aspect of him. So it's like embracing all parts of a person or yeah, trying to see the good in the, in the more irritating traits. Well, irritating to me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Love that um yeah no point trying to change someone yeah that's a whole kind of topic in itself trying to trying to change people <laughs> tried a lot of that that usually backfires and makes people quite resistant doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> um I suppose lastly yeah thank you so much for everything you shared it's been really interesting we've gone down some like interesting little roads and yeah I'm sure we could have really long discussions but I'd love to know just lastly where people can find out more about you what you offer do you want to share about your podcast again that sort of thing yeah Holly hates doing this this is not my bag this is Adam's I have to to, like stand behind Holly at events (laughs) and like whisper in her ear and mention the podcast I never market myself yeah so the podcast is honestly in balance you can get it anywhere and we've had all sorts of guests from kind of yoga teachers to yourself to musicians to chefs all sorts, uh, anyone loosely involved in helping other people make their lives a little bit better. So <laughs> it started as yoga, but now it's everything. Mm-hmm. We've got that. We've got our own platform on the hustlers.com where I upload lots of classes. Holly uploads sound journeys. So it's just a hustlers.com. There's a sale on at the moment. Uh, Black Friday 40, Black Friday 40, all caps, gives 40% off stuff. You can find out on the website. Uh, and then also we do retreats together. Uh, we teach in London. Holly has a lovely community of women called Soul Stretch. Yeah, I've just I've just launched a new sound healing only membership actually um, online. So weekly sound healing classes are all pre-recorded as well. So um, my website's hollyhustler.com and it's all on there if, if you're interested. There's a couple of free weeks as well that you can that you can use. Yeah, and just and, just people can look at our our websites yeah. or social media. It's Adam Hustler. And then I, I am, am a Holly Hustler. Hustler. And then adamhustler.com and hollyhustler.com. Easy. Easy. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Oh, thank you for thank having you. us. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget, you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions please do subscribe to this podcast in the apple podcast app and if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful please leave me a review it makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people and come on over and find me on instagram i'm hanging out there every day you can find me at chloe brotheridge let me know what you thought of this episode and please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today so i'm sending you loads of love and i hope you have a brilliant week ahead 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 